a Podcast One production. Welcome to Fail with Greta Lee Jackson, the podcast where I speak to people about times they messed up and what they learned on their journey to success. Once in high school, I think it might have been year seven, I was at a party. A bunch of kids were playing spin the bottle. I saw one dude in my class get rejected after the bottle landed on a girl he liked and she said nah and walked away. As he also walked away from the game in embarrassment, I followed him. We sat down and I consoled him, told him it was okay and not to worry about it. He was disappointed and said he'd been planning on asking that girl out. Then, for some reason I haven't quite figured out, I said, I'll go out with you. I don't know what came over me. I didn't particularly fancy him or anything. Maybe it was the one or two shots of rocket fuel I'd had. For those of you unfamiliar with that term, rocket fuel is when you mix all the contents of your parents' liquor cabinet into a single mixture – and is the preferred drink of year sevens at house parties. Maybe feeling bad for me, or feeling bad for himself, he said yes, and we pashed for a bit. And that's the story of my first kiss. He didn't get a second one, though. Our first and only date was to go see Titanic at the movies, and without rocket fuel, suddenly the idea of pashing a dude you don't even really like while he stares at you expectantly during the sketching scene isn't so exciting. Even though I got myself into this mess... He got me out. He dumped me the next day, saying, I don't know why you ask me out if you're so frigid. Fail! In this episode, I'll be talking to comedian, writer, actor and director Nina Oyama about street mattresses, cyclist hate and instigating Twitter pylons. On my first day of work at Utopia, like I, so I was very poor and I just like brought in a mattress from the street for my bed because I didn't have any money. And I was living in a garage in the back of Brunswick West. And like at Utopia, like everyone was like, so how's like, how's, how's life, you know, living in Melbourne? Cause I had to move there from Sydney. And like, I just thought it was really cool and bohemian to mention that I slept in like a street mattress and then like everyone was kind of shocked and then Kitty Flanagan kind of like looked at me and she was like a bit angry and she got she was like nah and she like got out her phone she started like angrily texting and I was like straight up I was like I'm gonna get fired like this is like I haven't even ever had a proper acting job and this is like my first serious role as like the main cast of this like very prestigious tv show and she's just like typing and typing and occasionally she would like look up from her angry typing and she would look at me and say like did you know the Salvation Army doesn't even accept secondhand mattresses because they don't know where they've been and I was just like no kitty Flanagan like I didn't I didn't know um and it was just like the longest like five minutes of my life and then she like looked up from her phone and she had like a a mattress website on her phone and she was like just pick a mattress and then she 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 bought it for me and then she sent it to my shed it's an interesting juxtaposition to be cast on this amazing show this uh iconic Australian production company Mm. that you didn't know who it was but um and then to be sleeping on a secondhand mattress in a shed yeah like what a weird but I think that's like that's show business yeah I guess so no that is just me being no no it is it is but I think it is very much like you're on this incredible tv show and then like like I still work at the market sometimes (laughs) like I help my 
house made out with like an ecowares company called Big Bite Eco, which is very cool. One time I was working at the markets and then like a guy came up to me and he was like, oh, Newtopia, like I love your, your character on Utopia. And then a little girl came up to my housemate and she was like, oh, are you CEO? Oh my God, you run this company, right? And she so was like, yes. And the little girl dead set was like, oh, can I talk to you? I'm doing an assignment for school and it's on people that are saving the world. <laughs> I was like, I'm here to get recognised for TV and you're interviewing my housemate for saving the planet. Like, can you not right now? Like, there's nothing more confronting of people that are doing actual jobs. Yeah. Fail! How would you describe what you do? What I do, I think I tell a lot of, like, embarrassing personal anecdotes. Um, that's what I do, I guess. Well, I don't know what I do. how you make your living? That's like who I am as a corp. I'm just like a series of like walking accidents, um, you know, person. Um, No, I I don't know. I don't, oh, I feel very affronted by this. What do I do? I don't know what I do, Greta. I like, I I just do comedy and I just like do embarrassing shit, I guess. That's like literally my brand is like being shit at my life. Do you want to start off with one of your big... My big fails. Cringy moments. Oh God, I have so many. I think I'm going to talk to you about the Twitter ones because like I love Twitter. I don't know why. I just talk about cum pretty much. And then people are like, wow, that's so interesting. And then I'm like, okay, well, that's who I am now. I still repeat that one you did about trying for a baby because it's so accurate. Can you say it? Okay. So it was um, the tweet said, you say, I'm trying for a child. I hear my husband's been doing big, huge cums in my pussy. And it got, it went viral. That's the other thing is it went viral. And then people from my uni were like, man, you're doing like so well. Like I saw your tweet on like memesites.com. And I was like, I was like, I've literally been on like three very prominent TV shows. And like, they've never noticed. They just saw the tweet and they, okay. And you know how like, so the, the, like, the week before you were like, so anyway, me and Nathan are trying to have a baby. And then you were like, and then I told you about that tweet and you're like, that tweet wasn't about me, was it? It Did actually I was. I didn't know that tweet would go viral. I got like 300 when the first hour and I was like, that's good. I can, I can like die happy now. Yeah. It's so bad. Like how I tie my self-esteem to tweets though. Like, yeah, I, I'm no good at it. Do you tie your self, your self-esteem to stuff? Oh yeah. Ever? Learning not to now. Yeah. But, I can't. but yeah, unlearning it, unlearning it. Being aware of it is half the problem. Yeah. Yeah, but I think being aware of it's like, I don't know, it just like fuels the addiction in a way. I don't know. Anyway, I'm addicted to Twitter and I like put stupid shit on Twitter all the time. Yeah, go on. And it's gotten me in trouble like twice now. It's nothing ever... No, one of them was really bad. So like um, during Comedy Festival, I like did a tweet about cyclists and I'll, I'll read the tweet because... I still think it's funny, sorry, cyclists. Oh my God, what if I get cancelled again for this? No, I don't care. Um... So the tweet is, in the same way people who drink Diet Coke would rather have cancer than get fat, I would rather see the earth die than have to share a world with cyclists. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but like cyclists are like, like somebody in TV, they told me like cyclists are like the NRA of lefties. Like they are, they're like so intense. And to be honest, like I don't really give a fuck about cyclists. Like I don't hate them or like love them either way. I'm very like neutral, but they are like a kind of easy target and everybody likes to joke about them. So I was like, why not put up this dumb tweet? And just before like I say anything, like I want to like go through the tweet and like reanalyze it because I still don't think it's wrong because I think 
the tweet says, in the same way people who drink Diet Coke would rather have cancer than get fat, I would rather see the earth die than have to share a world with cyclists. So it's not actually a serious tweet anyways. So in about like three seconds of putting it up, I just get like ping, 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 like heaps of hate messages. And I like instantly delete the tweet because I'm afraid of being disliked, but it's too late. They've already screenshotted it. And like the entire Australian cycle community is like disseminating it, uh, dissem- Disseminating it? What's Decimating. Decimating? Decimating. What's the just... one that's like sharing? I don't know how I'm a writer because I don't even know words. Like this is Distributing. Than... Distributing. So they're like sending it to each other like via Twitter and they've also screenshotted it. So like I don't have any control of it anymore because like I deleted the tweet and they keep saying like, say sorry. And then they just, I just got like hate messages. I've never gotten so many hate messages, but they were just like, oh man, I just, I'll try and find some like horrible ones. So someone says, it's not funny when someone was literally killed in the last week in a hit and run bred by the very culture you're making a joke about. Pull your fucking head in. This is Fraser Anning stuff. This is after I deleted it, right? Like I wasn't sending the tweet around. And not only this, like I was doing Melbourne Comedy Festival at the time. I f- my show wasn't at like 9.45 and from about like eight o'clock, I would spend like going over my show in like a park, like I just kind of stood in a park and like would talk to a tree and pretend it's my audience. And like, I fired this off at like seven o'clock. And so from like seven till eight, I was just like receiving all of these messages. Like I called my agent and I was like, what do I do? And they're like, there's nothing you can do. Maybe just apologize. And I was like, I'm not apologizing. Like I got so mad, but basically like all these cyclists were like, you want all cyclists to die. And then I was like, put it on airplane mode and just like went to my show. But I was like fearing for my life. Like I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get like murdered by cyclists. Like I, cause they were so angry. Like, and they were, someone like tagged Taylor Harris who had just done that, you know, that kick picture where she's like doing a kick in the air and you can see like a bit of her shorts and like everyone was like, and they removed it from the front page because it got so many like nasty misogynistic comments. Um, and so people were like trying to get her to like decry me as a cyclist hater and like they were- What's she got to do with it? I don't like literally nothing, but they were like, we're just like oppressed minorities and like- You're really not. Yeah, I know. So then someone said, you're always making risky jokes, aligning you with the nastier, more unhinged society members, e.g. indigenous people, disadvantaged people. Cyclists tend to be more privileged society members, which makes us fair game, but we can face extreme hate while riding and that makes us sensitive to jokes. And it was like- you're not like, I'm sorry, but like you don't pop out of your vagina with a bike. Like you just didn't come, come out of your mom's it's vagina. It's a choice. A you choose to ride a bike every day. And if you don't want to ride a bike, catch public transport. Like I just, I completely, oh God, if they find this podcast, like I'm going to get canceled again. But the thing is like, I didn't intend for it to be hurtful, but like then the fact that like the internet just like took it on board and then just like pretty much for like the next week, I just like had person after person after person and for the first three days I was like I'm not gonna engage I'm gonna be very zen about this I'm just gonna like watch people be angry at me but then like day three I think I was like doing my washing in like a laundromat and you know when you're like in a laundromat and like you're waiting and you're like there's just this dead time and so I just started firing back I was like I'm not apologizing I was like I'm more of a minority than you I'm fucking queer and I'm half Asian and I'm a woman you're like a white guy who wears like and they think they're so fucking oppressed that's like the weirdest thing like imagine choosing a lifestyle and then I don't know it's like incels or some shit yeah <laughs> anyway oh my god that's gonna get us cancelled like do you remember when we did that video the internet video yes which there was a fallout that I wasn't aware of until my brother was like oh, Sargon of a card got you. And I was like, so? 
Dude, apparently, like, so my mum is on 4chan and she started sending me memes of us. And they were like hectic memes, dude. They were yeah, like, I just didn't engage. It was like me and you on fire and it was like, I hope these girls get raped. I'm like, that's not even a meme. That's just a bad, mean thing to say. Yeah. Um, so, so my mum and my dad were like, yeah, these are really funny. These are our favourite ones. And I was like, that's your favourite one, you fucking psychos. <laughs> But, um, no, it just didn't cross my path. I just I just switched off from the internet that weekend and then it all went away because it was in a part of the internet that I didn't really – well, I, that I do pay attention to, but I didn't pay attention to that weekend. Yeah. And um, it just sort of went away. You know what I think is my problem is like I'm so desperate for people to care about me in literally any way that I think I can like parlay it into goodness. There's like – I get this, like this weird confusion where I feel like angry but then I feel really happy because people are caring about me. Interesting. No, I just don't want it. Like if you're, if you, I listen to the comments on my page because you could, they're going to be nice to me. If you're a dick mm. on my page, you get banned. Oh, that's genius. If I don't If you're a dick anyone. on my page, you get banned. And I don't, and, and people say you're not supposed to do that. I don't care. No, that's good. Because, uh, but you could say what the hell you want about me on the other sites like ABC or SBS or Twitter, like Twitter or whatever. Yeah. But if you're on my page. You get blocked. Yeah. That's great. Rosie does the same thing, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. good for your mental health, I think. Yeah. No, I like to have haters in there because I'm like, I'm not letting them win. You know, I'm like, right. I'm like, if they if I block them, they win. That's like, if I, so this is like my theory is like, if I block them, that means I've seen their comment and I've cared. And if I care, that means I've given them the power. See, I just, it, for me, it's a different type of ignoring. Like, it's like a toddler having a tantrum. You ignore it. That's, that's actually quite smart. I don't know. I like to have a healthy dose of people not liking me. I if people if you want to criticize me legit and mm. and without throwing names around or insults and just find errors with things I've said. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But if you start name calling and being a dick, you're off. That's so good. That one's like a pretty small Twitter problem. Like it kind of just petered out. But then this one was like a much bigger embarrassment for me and I had to like fully apologise. Um So like I did my show Nina Oyama Needs a Lift at a festival. I don't think I can say which festival because it reflects badly on everyone. Um, <laughs> no, it reflects badly on me. Whatever. It was Bondi Feast Festival. I don't care. Um, sorry, Bondi Feast Festival. But it, w- it was just like... Um, basically like to do promo for, I won't name the paper. I think I've already named the paper online, but it doesn't matter. I won't name it here, but basically to do promo for Bondi Feast, um, like I got a phone call and they were like, Hey, just so you know, like, would you be willing to do like an interview? We're going to call you at nine 30 tomorrow morning. And I was like, yeah, great. Cool. Um, down for it. Desperate for attention. Please talk to me. Um, and then the next day I was like, I got up and I was just like waiting by the phone for like an hour, like no call. Like I'd gotten up, like I don't get up, like I don't get up to like midday, but like I got up at nine o'clock and like I was a little bit hungover, but I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to honor this like one thing that I have to do today. And they just didn't like, they didn't call and I was about to pack it in and then I get the phone call from them and there was like no apology for being late, like no anything about that. And I just felt a little bit like put off by that. Um, and then- we talked a little bit about our show and the woman was like, the woman who talked to me was very much like, so it's about how you're bad at driving. Like it's about how you are a failure. Like she said it in the, the similar things to what you're saying, but she said it in a very like combative 
way to say like as if she was better than me and how like my comedy is about how I'm like a loser like not in like an empowering way like for the record I don't think you're a failure in the slightest I actually think you're a covert type a oh thank you also ow yuck type a rude (laughs) I would never (laughs) I have a messy room and I am disgusting no I am a type a it's it's don't tell anyone it's my (laughs) deepest darkest secret um but basically this woman on the phone, she was like being a little bit combative and like mean to me. And then she was like, just, I don't know. I just didn't get a good vibe from her. And then she starts talking about her daughter who was like 12 or something. And her daughter like um, really loves comedy. And then she, we just talked about her daughter for like, like 45 minutes. And I was like trying to give her like, I was like, well, there's class clowns, which is like a great option for school kids. And then like at some point when I was talking about her daughter, I was like, this is like a bit weird that like she called me super late and then like I felt like very antagonized by her and then now she's like trying to get help for her daughter and I probably wasn't in the best mood like this might be me projecting because I project a lot. No fair enough I'd be pissed off but I'm I'm just like I don't know I'm very like my brain like even if I'm being nice like sometimes my brain's like oh this person hates you and whatever so I was like I didn't wasn't like outwardly indicating that I wasn't having a good time, but like inside I was just like, fuck this lady. Like <laughs> I'm hungover. Like I waited up for this phone call. You never called. And then you told me how to do it. Like just not, ah, uh, like I was so mad. Um, And then like I went to that website cause they're like, oh, it's going to be up next week. So then I like went to the website, like when I was told it was going to be up on this newspaper, like it was a proper printed newspaper and just like every day, just refreshing, like Googling my name, refreshing, refreshing on this website. And just like after a week, like nothing, like zilch, my name's not there. So in my brain, I go, okay, so they haven't published this article. There's just nothing, like no trace of me. They hadn't published it. Um, It wasn't online. Like I hadn't been getting the hard copies, but it just wasn't online. And I was like, everything's online. Um, so then I like, so also at this time, um, Bondi Feast had like, they had a very weird ticketing system, which looked like my show sold out in like a week. Like I had two shows and they were like 40 or maybe like 60 seats. And for some reason it had appeared that it was sold out and people were messaging me being like, we really wanted to get tickets, but we can't, like it's all sold out. And I was like, oh, cool, like I'm amazing. And so when I got both my shows sold out and there was like proper confirmation from the website that I was sold out, I tweeted, uh, so the lady at the local paper called me to write an article about my show, scolded me for having a rude Twitter. Oh yeah, that's it. She also was really mean about my Twitter. And then we had a 40 minute long chat about how to get her 14 year old kid on TV. Anyway, she never published the article. So come to my show 16th and 17th of July at Bondi Pavilion. And then like five seconds later, I tweet, okay, so both my shows are sold out now. The Wentworth career can suck my egg. <laughs> and then, so from that, people like, oh, I just said what paper it was. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I look bad in this story. It's totally not about the paper. You can beep it, Greta, if, if you, you want, want to. So anyway, I was like very vindicated. I was like, yeah, suck it, like for making me feel bad and then like making me talk to you. Um, anyway, and some of my followers on Twitter were like, hey, that's not very fair on Nina, who's like a lovely, decent person. Wrong. Um, and then they go to like the newspaper's Instagram page and they start writing on like all the pictures, like why don't you um, give young Australian comedians a chance? Why do you hate Nina Oyama? Like what's wrong with you? Like why didn't you publish the article that Nina Oyama interviewed for? And like just like quite a few comments, not that many comments, like under 10 comments, like still enough that it was like 
<laughs> like, and then the Wentworth article, or what it Wentworth Courier Twitter, sorry, Wentworth Courier, then put up a printed version of my interview, and I was on like an entire spread, like page big, page big, page long spread with my big face about my show, and it was a really nice write up, like it was glowing. Like it could not have been any nicer. Oh, no. And it turned out my sh- the article had been printed but it had not been put up online and it had been printed a week ago. So it had all gone up and it had all happened and I was on Twitter being like so mad. Do you reckon it's the reason your show sold? Well, then here's the other thing which was like so fucking mortifying is that Bondi Feast had, for some reason, their ticketing company was not like that legit. And so the ticketing company had fucked up my sales and um, like put the ticket limit to five seats per night. So I had sold out five tickets on each night, but they didn't figure this out until the day before, no, the day of my first show. Yep, that's right. So then I had to go crawling back to Twitter and be like, hi, guys. But I couldn't, like, blame them. So I was like, hey, guys, just so you know, some extra tickets have been released to my show. So if you had trouble getting tickets, you can now go to this website. But it was, like, so embarrassing because I'd already, like, dunked on the Wentworth Courier. I bragged that I was sold out. And then I had to, like, come back tail between my legs with a ticketing issue that was, like, totally not my fault, but, like, totally karmic retribution. And I had to be like, I'm so sorry. And my agent was like, make it seem like the Bondi Feast didn't do anything. Just say like you're releasing extra tickets due to popular demand. So I did, but like I felt really weird about it. So like the first night I played to like 10 people in this huge room and it was mortifying. (laughs) But the second night I sold out, so that was fine. But it was... Did you hear from the journalist again? Yeah, I think they posted like, Nina, sorry if you felt... Like, sorry if you felt that um, I was, like, mean to you in any way. Like, they were so gracious as well. But I also, apparently they're, like, a real housewife. Their name is Joe Camino. Maybe? I'm not sure. Somebody messaged me saying that, like, oh, you got a real housewife or, like, you got a Joe Camino write-up. That, like, means the world. And I was like, she's famous as well. Like, and she has, like, I checked her Instagram. She's got, like, 20,000, 20,000. She's got, like, way more Instagram followers than me. Like, anyway, so then I had to be like, hey, everyone, my mistake. The Wentworth Courier did publish the article. I just couldn't find it online. Anyway, it's here for those who want to read it. I'm the person who should suck the egg. Might have to move out of the eastern suburbs now and into a cave. I am so sorry. That's astounding. Yeah, it was very, it was extremely humiliating. Did you learn anything from that? I think I've just learned not to like be mean to anyone on Twitter or not to like slander anyone on Twitter. That's why I just slander myself. It's safe. Yeah, it's safe. It's like, what am I going to do? Fight me? What am I going to do? Like hate me? I already do. Psych. Like, you know, <laughs> joke's on me. But it, it, yeah, God. So that, that was definitely like a very big moment of humility. Amazing. For me. Amazing. Thank you so much for telling me that. No, that's okay. <laughs> what are you most proud of? I think I'm most proud of making The Angus Project, which was a show that like I created um, with my friend Angus who has cerebral palsy. And I think like it didn't get picked up, which was sad, but like the pilot Because it was episode, a pilot, yeah. Because it was a pilot, um, but we are shopping it around. But I think like to me that was a really cool thing that I did because it wasn't just about me. It was like about my friend who has cerebral palsy. And it also like, 
I don't know, it showed him in like his true light, which is that he like likes to drink beers and be funny and be a jerk. And I, I just think like that was, or that's the thing I'm most proud of because I think it's very like, it was like honorable and it doesn't involve like me just shamely, shamelessly like self-promoting myself constantly um, and talking about my failures. So I, I think that's like my favorite thing that can I've you, done. Can you catch it anywhere? Can you catch it? You can catch it on YouTube. Okay, good. It's called the Angus Project Pilot, but you can also watch the three web series episodes that preceded it, which I like wrote by myself. I directed and also starred in. And so like that, that was the first version of it. That's not very, it's, it's a comedy show, but like my telling of it doesn't seem that funny, but please watch it because I'm very proud of it. And yeah. Thanks for listening. To share your fails with me, you can contact me on my Facebook or Twitter at Greta Lee Jackson. Fail with Greta Lee Jackson is presented by me and recorded at the studios of Podcast One Australia. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes of Fail with Greta Lee Jackson, download the Podcast One app or look me up on Apple Podcasts.